Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, welcome to worship at Bolhelvi. Uh, if you haven't been with us for a wee while, it's great to, to see you back. Um, a wee bit of revision. I know many of you know this now, but in front of you, there's a ticket on the pew. Uh, if you want to just turn that over, that will let the cleaners know which pews have been sat in. We do need to wear our masks for singing for the time being. Hopefully that will change before too long, but we're obliged to do that for now. Uh, the collection plate is just behind me to the right, and we do leave the church by the vestry door. I think that's probably all you need to know in terms of the COVID uh, regulations. Uh, just a couple of wee announcements before we begin. Uh, the eagle-eyed among you might have noticed that we've uh, turned uh, the church green for the next week or so. That's not Halloween. Uh, that's more to do with COP26 uh, down in Glasgow and in thinking about the environment. Um, and we have a special eco-service uh, next Sunday that's being taken by the eco-group. And then on the 9th of November, Tuesday the 9th of November at half past seven, uh, in the Forsyth Hall. We're going to be showing uh, a DVD called 2014, and we've watched this at home. It's a, it's a really good movie. A lot of the stuff around the environment that we're hearing at the minute is obviously scary because of uh, the threat that the, that the world is under just now. Part of what we liked about 2040 is that it's showing us what's possible, how we can change things even within 20 years if we harness technologies that are already available. So it chooses, I think it's six different fields where there's already really good technology. And if we can harness that, we can actually begin to make a dent in this problem that we're facing. So that's Tuesday, the 9th of November, 7.30 in the Forsyth Hall. So if that's of interest to you, or you think it might be of interest to, to some of your friends, maybe even your children or grandchildren, because I know the young people are maybe much more switched on to this uh, than, than most of us get them along, bring them along, and let's make that a good night. Tuesday, 9th of November, 7.30 in the hall. So those are all our announcements. Let's worship God in the words of our opening hymn, uh, which is number 213. And I should say we welcome to Ronan the piano. She's deputizing for Alan this morning, as Alan's not well. So it's number 213, Every New Morning. Let's sing to God's praise.
Let's join our hearts together in prayer now. Let us pray. Lord, we gather on the threshold of a new day and a new week that have found us, whether we would have them find us or not. For some, the week ahead means busyness. For others, leisure. For all, the duties and the challenges of daily living, the rhythms of work, the come and go of relationships with family and friends, the business of inhabiting these bodies that we call home as they change and age, as they delight us and now again worry us. And at the beginning of this day, this week, we pause for a moment to remember that which we so easily forget, that none of this is a right but a blessing a blessing to be perceived, accepted, and enjoyed while it is still ours. Lord, we know that you are the beginning and the end of all things. And though we live out our days in a world that hasn't yet arrived where you want it to be, a world sometimes filled with pain and uncertainty, we know too that when we stop to reflect on our lives, the fingerprints of blessing are unmistakable. The health and vigor of our younger years, the accomplishment that comes with age and experience, the unique gifting of each person, the network of loving relationships that helps to form our place in life, our children and grandchildren, our friends, sometimes even closer than family, a place to look after and to call our own. Lord, this is the stuff of our days, and much of the time we take it for granted, forgetting that it is all a gift. Help us remember in the thick of life's challenges and frustrations, the ways in which our lives have been so richly blessed. Lord, where you bring blessings, they are meant for the good of all. Help us learn not to be possessive of that with which we might bless others, our time, our money, our gifts and abilities, our encouragement and gratitude. Help us not keep the blessing we might share locked up inside us because of fear, enmity, or sheer cussedness. Thank you that in your economy, the one who gives receives. The one who shares generously receives far more back in return. And so it always is with grace. So may we learn to live as children of grace who know their Father and share His generosity for the sake of His world and the coming kingdom. Because we ask all these things in Christ's name. And in His name we pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our reading this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Colossians, Colossians 4, reading verses 7 to 18. Uh, an unusual one to choose, I would guess, and one probably Eric didn't thank me for when he got, he got the email this week, because there's lots of difficult names in it. Uh, but there is a method in my madness which will become clear later on. Colossians 4, I'm reading verses 7 to 18. Final greetings. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and that those at Laodicea and Hierapolis, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. Thanks, Eric. We're going to continue in worship as we sing hymn number 787, May the Lord Mighty God. And we'll remain seated to sing this one.
Let's pray together now. Lord, we're here to worship and to seek your blessing. And your word tells us very clearly that blessing comes not simply by hearing the word, but by doing the word. So as we reflect together uh, on this passage of Scripture and on life together, we pray that your Spirit will bring home to our hearts what it is that we need to do when we go from this place today to live more authentically Christian lives. So hear our prayers because we ask them in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to start this morning with uh, this image that's been popping up in different forms uh, quite a lot on social media over the last few months in a society that has you counting money pounds, calories, and steps, be a rebel and count your blessings instead. And for those of us above a certain age, and that's probably most of us here, uh, that can't help but trigger memories of that old Sunday school staple, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done done. Uh, we sang that all the time when I was a kid in Sunday school, and we loved it because of its happy tune, and we all agreed that it was indeed a good thing to count your blessings, though I'm not sure that we actually ever really did count our blessings terribly much as kids. But it's that idea of a blessing that I want us to think about this morning, more especially the power that there is in speaking a blessing to someone. But what is a blessing anyway? Well, at its simplest, I guess a blessing is just something good that comes into our lives. Love, children, grandchildren, a new friend, a new opportunity, insightful or affirming words, the daily blessings that we forget to count like food and shelter. We forget that we aren't owed these things. They're not ours by right. They come to us as gifts, and as the hymn writer reminds us, all good gifts around us are sent from heaven above. And the blessings that come our way arrive in different shapes and forms. They can be tangible or intangible. They can be something new or something old that's rediscovered and re-experienced in a new way. A few years ago, I traveled back to Northern Ireland with a couple of friends who'd never been there before. And I remember one day in particular where we did a big swathe of the North Antrim coastline in glorious weather. And believe you me, it's pretty rare to have glorious weather on the North Antrim coastline, but one of those blue sky sunshiny days, and standing on the clifftops at Carrick Areed and the Giant's Causeway, and seeing those familiar places freshly through their eyes was a lovely blessing. Having them there woke me up to the beauty that over the years I had just come to take for granted. 
So sometimes the blessing is already there waiting to be received. All it takes is for you and I to notice it and to receive it with gratitude. When we bless a child in a service of baptism, or we bless our food before we eat it, are we doing something that changes the nature of the child or of the food? Is the bairn going to do better because it's been done? Is the food going to taste better and be safe to eat because we've prayed over it and given thanks? Or is the blessing there already and our speaking of it, our noticing it, is actually what really matters? God, we thank you for the miracle of a new life with all its potential. And we ask that this child of yours would grow up into all that you desire for him or for her. Or God, we thank you for this food, for the everyday miracles of nature and of farming and cooking that allow us to have this meal before us. There's something about receiving or giving a blessing that involves seeing things, seeing them rightly. I see the good that's before me, not just as it is, but as something that's gifted from God, a blessing. And I speak my blessing of gratitude right back to God for His generosity. And of course, we all know that there are times when the blessing comes so well hidden that we don't recognize it as a blessing until much later. We speak about a blessing in disguise, a set of circumstances that none of us would ever have chosen, but which in the long term can still manage to yield some good. Often it's only with the benefit of hindsight that we can see how a blessing has quietly grown up in the dark soil of disappointment or loss or worry. Count your blessings, says the wee song. But it's not just as straightforward as that. Before you can count them, you have to notice them, however they happen to arrive. And that isn't always easy. So that's a wee word or two about blessings in general, but our focus today is particularly on the importance of speaking a blessing. Barbara Taylor writes movingly about the last few days of her father's life, surrounded by his family at his hospital bed. And at one point when the crowds had thinned for a few hours, she saw her husband, Ed, a beloved son-in-law, kneeling on the linoleum floor and putting his head under his father-in-law's bony hand. And he held it there for a few moments as the old man murmured something over him. What were you doing? She asked him later. He said, I asked him to bless me. I asked him for his blessing as he passed. Now, only Ed could say why he wanted to do that or what he was expecting from it. But I think that what we're seeing in his actions is a primal desire that all of us have. The need to be seen and valued for who we are by the people that we love and respect and to hear words that affirm us 
in our place in the world. I can't put words into Ed's mouth, but if it were me in his shoes, I would want to know that I had pleased this man that I'd loved and that he had trusted me with what was most precious to him and that he willed the best for us all in the future. And I would want him to know that I valued and respected him enough to deeply desire his blessing. As human beings, we crave words that affirm who we are, and yet we're often so scared to offer those words or to receive them. As a general rule, we're profoundly embarrassed to say or do things that deeply affect us because we don't know if we'll be able to stay in control of our emotions, and so we'd rather just be quiet. And I see this every time I have a wedding rehearsal. It happened again earlier this week. I had a wedding on Friday. There comes a moment in the rehearsal where I get the couple to turn to each other and to take each other by the hands and to go through their vows. And after all the preparation and fuss that goes into the wedding and to the big day, for the first time, they're a foot apart, looking each other in the eye, holding each other by the hands and saying some of the most significant words they will ever utter. And they always do one of two things. They start laughing or they start crying. Very often, both. It's too much. They've been together for years and it's still too much. Which is exactly why we do it at the rehearsal. To begin to deal with the powerful emotion of really speaking the truth to one another. And therein lies the paradox. We need the blessing of giving and receiving honest, affirming words, of really speaking the truth to one another. But we would rather run a mile than do that. We hate letting our defenses down and being vulnerable. And so more often than not, the things that we need to say remain unsaid sometimes until it's too late to say them. Perhaps, says Barbara Taylor, we have a corporate agreement that we will not embarrass one another, even if that means never going very deeply into the things that matter most to us. And do you see where that leads in time, that conspiracy of silence? of staying safely on the surface of things. It leads to a culture where we appreciate less and less, to marriages where people feel undervalued because appreciation is hardly ever vocalized, to kids growing up unsure of their place in the world because they're rarely praised for the good that they do or lovingly corrected when things go wrong, or to churches where it's just too easy to take one another for granted. I chose this passage from Colossians today with all its difficult names, well done Eric, because it struck me how the Apostle Paul takes the time to affirm all these men and women for who they are, as well as what they're doing. Tychicus, a faithful worker and fellow servant. Onesimus, a dear and faithful brother. 
Aristarchus, Mark, and Joshua, who have been a great help. Epaphras, who prays hard for you all. Luke, our dear doctor, and Demas, who sends you greetings. Do you remember what I said earlier about the relationship between seeing and blessing? Well, in these closing remarks in his letter, Paul is blessing these folk that he's naming. He's saying, I see you. I've thought about you. I appreciate you. And he takes the time to see, but then also to say that he's seen. And in so doing, he blesses them with his words. And that's the thought that I would like us to take away from today. Who in our lives do we need to express our gratitude to? Who do we need to bless a little bit more with our words? Who are we inclined to take for granted? It could be the person who puts tea on the table every night, or does the washing, or brings home the bacon. It could be the person who does the job that nobody notices until it's not done, and then all hell breaks loose. It could be the person who's going the extra mile, and over time we've come to expect that extra mile, and maybe quite a few more. You alone know who that person is in your life. But may God help us all to begin seeing where we've stopped seeing, to overcome the conspiracy of silence where we're paralyzed by embarrassment, and to bless one another with life-giving words that affirm not just what we do, but who we are. Tom Gordon was a Church of Scotland minister working in a hospice in Edinburgh, and I remember him telling a story about an elderly man called Frank who was dying. Frank and his wife Mary had been together for many years, and they had a good marriage. But as Tom spent time with Mary, he began to realize there was something going on in her over and above the usual upset that you experience at losing your life partner. And as the weeks unfolded, Mary finally managed to get it off her chest. They'd had a good life together, she and Frank, and he'd been a good husband to her. But in all that time, he'd never once told her that he loved her. He'd never once said those words. And that was her only regret as she looked back in their time together. He'd never said what she most needed to hear from him. So Tom waited for the right time and he brought the subject up with Frank. And as you'd expect, at first he was upset. She must know that I love her. I've been with her all this time and we've done all these things together. Of course I love her. But as they talked it through, Frank came to understand that what was so obvious to him in his heart and mind still needed to be vocalized for Mary's sake. On the following day, he was able to find the courage to say the words that Mary needed to hear before he slipped away. And for her, that made all the difference in the world. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Good advice, 
But maybe there should be a second verse to go with it. Speak your blessings. Name them one by one. Speak your blessings. Name what God has done. Speak your blessings. Name them one by one. For you bless the other when you find your tongue. Amen. I'm going to take a few moments to reflect on what we've just been thinking about together. And there's a little prayer on the screen I'd invite you just to, to take and make your own in whatever ways work for you this morning. As we take a few minutes just to listen to some music and reflect on this prayer, Lord, help me find ways to bless others with my words in the coming week. Linda Anderson is going to come now and lead us in our prayers for others. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us safely to the beginning of this day. Help us to bless others and notice the difference they make. Help us not to take each other for granted in relationships, work settings, and church fellowship. Paul the Apostle in his ministry took time to name and bless those he had been working with 
for what they were doing in the faith community, giving them encouragement in their work and letting them know that they were valued and remembered. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you help us to be like Paul. Help us not to think more of ourselves than others and help us not to shrink from difficult or costly services. Help us to serve with joy and not to be selfish with money, forgetting the claims of Christ's work. Be with those in our parish who are grieving, sick, or feeling lonely. Give them grace to deal with these things in their lives. Bless our troubled world and help the powers that be to come to a decision about climate change that will help future generations to enjoy the environment as we have. Be with our minister Paul and his family as he ministers to us in this parish and give him the energy and strength to deal with the difficulties that occur. Our Heavenly Father, we have neglected your word. We have walked in our own ways and carried out the desires of our own hearts. And by our selfishness, we have injured and hurt others. God, be merciful unto us. Bless us and help us to live a better life. Help us to treat others as we would like others to treat us. And we thank you for all the blessings in our lives. And all these things we thank you for and ask your blessing on all of us. Amen. Thanks, Linda. A closing prayer. In fact, before we get to a closing hymn, I see there's some small people up there. So, Van Nieker, so I have a wee story for you this morning. Hello, Carl. Hey, Carl's waving. Um, thinking about the importance of speaking a blessing, of saying, you know, good things to people. Uh, a story I remember this morning, which I haven't thought about for years, um, which is about Billy McClintock. Now, Billy McClintock was the bad boy in school. I'm sure you've got a bad boy in your school. Don't tell me his name. You might be watching. But Billy McClintock was always the bad boy in school. He was always getting into trouble. He was a year or two older than me. This is primary school. And uh, we'd had a, I think we must have had an away trip somewhere in the bus or whatever, and um, we'd come back. And then on the Monday, um, we were in assembly. And Mr. McCarroll, who was the headmaster, very strict, very scary, very severe. Nobody messed with Mr. McCarroll. Um, Mr. McCarroll said, now I want Billy McClintock to come up to the front of the assembly. And we're all going, oh, Billy's in for something now. Billy's in trouble again. Because we were so used to Billy getting into trouble. And he got Billy up to the front. And he said, now boys and girls, I want to tell you something about Billy McClintock. And we're all going, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> What's he going to tell us now? He says, I was out doing my garden on Saturday when I heard this, the, the clink of the garden gate. And up my pathway was coming Billy McClintock. And Billy McClintock came up to me and he said, Mr. McCarroll, I just want to say thank you so much for organizing that day out that we went to at the end of last week on the bus. It was really good fun. Thank you for organizing that. And we all were very quiet because nobody had expected Billy McClintock to do that. 
And none of us had done that. And I love that wee story for two reasons. Because Billy McClintock was speaking a blessing to the headmaster. He was saying thank you to the headmaster for something he'd done, which was a lovely thing to do. And maybe as a child you might think, oh, it's not my place to do that. But who cares? We all want affirmation. We all want uh, thanks when we do something good. So Billy was saying something nice to the headmaster. And the headmaster, being a wise man, got him out in front of the whole school and made a point of blessing Billy by saying a good thing about Billy in front of all of us who never expected Billy would get any praise for anything. And I just thought that was a good wee story about what we're talking about today, the importance of our words, the importance of blessing other people. It's a lovely thing and a powerful thing when we see it done well. So you can do that, no matter how small you are, Carol. You can bless other people with your words, and you too, Lena, as well. Thank you. Now, we're going to finish with uh, a hymn, which is number 521, Children of God Reach Out to One Another, and the tune is uh, the tune for Lord of the Years. Children of God Reach Out to One Another.
Jesus. And now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. service. I know many of you know, but we are serving teas and coffees in the hall today. If you're able to stay behind and have a cuppy, you're more than welcome to do so. <laughs>